Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode six of the NFNL podcast. I'm Samuel Zito, joined by Jordan Canales. Big edition ahead of us. It is, of course, representative week in the Northern Football Netball League, the senior men's and women's football sides in action this weekend against the Geelong Football Netball League, the women's side to take on AFL Barwon, the men's fighting for the number one spot on the AFL Victoria Community Championships ranking. Also have representative netball, two sides, an open and under-19 team taking on the best of the Geelong Football Netball League. All of that action taking place this Saturday at Queen's Park in Highton, so do get along and support the sides, all the media and also game uh, coverage and details available at nfnl.org.au. Jordan Canellis, big weekend and obviously the one that just went past, equally important as a lot of the competitions prepare for a buy this coming weekend. Yes, thanks, thank you for having me again, Samuel. This is a massive weekend coming up for the NFNL. We have been sort of in this position before in the 1v2 game, but that was a couple of years ago back when it was just the Metro Championships with just the six metropolitan uh, local footy leagues like the Eastern and the Western regions. And we were facing the VAFA that year and we didn't get the chocolates that day. Um, but this time it's it's on a bigger scale. It's the community championship. So it's all the leagues around Victoria. There's 30-odd leagues or whatever it is. It's a huge event. And um, and the NFNL, we've we've somehow got to the first v. second game. Well, not somehow, actually. We're, we're, we've merited this position because we've got a fantastic squad and we've got a group of the best players in, in local footy in Victoria, and um, it's a big, big weekend coming up against the uh, the powerhouse of the uh, the Geelong Footy Netball League down that AFL Barwon region. That's going to be a huge game on Saturday. Absolutely. So Gary Ramsey, of course, the coach of that uh, the men's side, so he's done that for the past two years, got them from fifth. Uh, big wins over the Mornington Peninsula and the Peen Football League last year, and prior to that, the Western Region Football League. So certainly it's a it's a big occasion. Obviously, a lot of work goes into to getting the side. It's such a, a hard thing to do to pick a squad, and then you're still waiting on availabilities yeah. and uh, injury updates uh, right up until probably the, the last hour as well. So the side uh, just about to be confirmed. The women's team has confirmed the squad of 25 to, to make the travel Two netball sides are also locked in as well. So all that uh, to, to come. We'll have a few interviews with different coaches from the uh, different representative sides throughout this podcast as well. So, so do tune in to those. Jordan, um, from our point of view, the weekend that just went by, round five in Meadows Greyhounds Division 1, uh, saw some, some pretty interesting results. But right across the board, there wasn't a, a heap of close games across all the three senior men's competitions at the weekend. No, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't. I wouldn't say it was the highest quality weekend in terms of close matches. There was a lot of high quality performances from individual teams in in one-sided matches. I think the closest game we had uh, was in Division 2, which was Eltham's win over Diamond Creek, and that was uh, an 18-point win for Eltham. So a three-goal margin was the smallest margin of the weekend. We had a 19-point, 22-point as well. But a lot, of, a lot of blowouts this weekend, a couple that was... Uh, you know, a few games that were threatening to, to get to beyond 10 goals, a couple of games which went well beyond 10 goals at the margin. Um, so, yeah, look, it wasn't a close weekend in terms of competitive football, but it was certainly a weekend which told us a lot uh, and a lot, a lot more about where these divisions are placed. Um, the story continues to unfold in Division 1 about the top five teams and sort of now extending that gap against the bottom five teams. 
Um, but I think for me, the story of the weekend was just a good, a feel-good story in, in Division 2 and St. Mary's getting their, their first win against, uh, well, in, in Division 2 and they did it against Epping and I think that was probably um, the, the heartwarming story of the week. Yeah, absolutely. We knew in, in any case that one of those sides was going to get off the mark with their first win. Both hadn't had a win in the opening four rounds, but it was St. Mary's proving too good there. So we'll have a look at that one a little later in the program, but I think you're right. That was the feel-good story. It's obviously it's uh, the, the, pr- the first premiership, but the club worked so hard to get that last year. Mm. Obviously, it's been a tough jump to, to go up into, into the second division, but at the weekend, St. Mary's saluting for the first time ever in A-plus Labor Solutions Division 2. Uh, we'll start our review of last week with uh, going back to Meadows Greyhounds Division 1 and the final results in Round 5 saw Northcote Park 3 goals 6-24 no match for North Heidelberg 16 goals 10-106 lower plenty well that was always going to be a big one up against Hurst Bridge the Bears were looking to establish a two game break over the Bridges but it was Hurst Bridge saluting for the first time in 2019 winning 12 goals 16-88 to 17-17-119 at Montmorency Park South Heidelberg, well, weren't they dominant in a massive victory over arch-rival Montmorency? The Tigers, 22 goals, 12, 114, defeating Mont, 2 goals, 7, 19. McLeod on the board, and all of a sudden, uh, I guess looking forward to the weeks ahead, there's some optimism there now for the, uh, I guess, the side that's played in the last four grand finals in the top flight. The Roos, 12, 13, 85, getting a vital win away at Yulong Reserve to Bandura, 10 goals, 6, 66, and Greensborough in the Twilight game, the first ever Twilight game at Greensborough War Memorial Park. Far too good for West Preston Lakeside, continuing their woes. Greensborough 14-18-102 defeated West Preston Lakeside 3-11-29. Plenty to talk about with those results and what that might mean going forward. Some big statements made though, Heidelberg and North Heidelberg in particular, Greensborough once again. And if we start from the top of the list, we were at the game between North Heidelberg and Northcote Park. The Cougars were certainly undermanned, went into the game without Ash Close. Uh, they also didn't have Charles Lafanu and Kyle Galloway. So in terms of Galloway and Close, two of their key tools, and, and then lose Jackson Stasevich in the opening half of the game with what looked a pretty serious uh, groin-slash-leg injury. So their cause certainly not helped. And North Heidelberg, after a dour struggle for close to three quarters, Blew that game apart in the final 40 minutes. Kicked 13 goals from the 22-minute mark of the third term onwards. Romped onto their fourth win of the year and have done it pretty impressively in the last couple of weeks against both the Cougars and Heidelberg. Yeah, look, this was a game that um, we, at the start of the match we thought it was going to be a close one. It was very low scoring in that first quarter, 9-4 um, to four at that quarter time. Um and we thought the game was just going to—it was going to be a low-scoring game, but a close one. And it was—it was close. It was strangely close. I think we were saying at quarter time that even though there was no scoring, and some of the skills were uh, were were of a lower standard than what we're normally used to seeing, it was strangely intense because of the scoreboard. Um, but that sort of changed as the game went on, and by what was it three-quarter time, North Heidelberg were of about thirty points up, twenty-nine points ahead, and then and then blew it out of the water in those last. Um, or the last three minutes of the third quarter, and then and then all last quarter. Um, North Heidelberg, though, I think the the well the major story firstly was Northcote Park, Jackson Starsevich, as you said, and and even before that, Kyle Galloway, who was a laid out. So they had three of their key pill or had three of their key pillars missing on that day. No close and Starsevich up forward. No Galloway in the ruck, which allowed Michael Florence uh, from the Bulldogs to really get on top in the ruck contest. But 
the North Heidelberg defence, and I sort of posed this question at the end of the, the, the match of the day call on the radio, um, but I've sort of deferred it to now. How do you stop that North Heidelberg defence? Because they are, they're a great back six. They're probably underrated. I think when you look, the, the closest comparison would be Greensboro. And the Greensboro players are a lot more fated, I think, in in this competition. They're a lot more decorated. You've got Nick Riddle and Dan McClendon. They've you know they've won rep uh, representative honours. Nick Riddle was a VFL captain. They've won team of the year honours. The North Heidelberg defence probably don't have those same accolades, but they're just as good. Well, you look at it now, and and obviously we've known for some time how good a player Nick Matthews is. Potentially going to be playing rep footy as well this weekend. Um, but some of the additions going into that just this year alone, Mitch Dillon's turned into a defender now. He's in great touch. He was just mm. with the best player on the ground on, on Saturday. Liam Noonan's playing some good footy across halfback at, at times, pushing further up the ground as well. And, and Daniel Harris, when he does push back, he's just a, a wise head down there. I think they've got the tools working perfectly. But that at ground level, I mean, how good were they at the weekend? As soon as the ball hit the deck, there was a sea of, of Bulldogs players ready to, to pick that ball up and, and drive it out of Northcote Park's attacking half. So... Absolutely no doubt. It's an unheralded defence, but I think one that in in due time won't be we won't be calling them unheralded because they're no. they're you know some of those players obviously Harris has come from an AFL background, but some of those in terms of Dylan and, and Nick Matthews, their their I guess uh, reputations is certainly building massively right throughout the competition. So that was that was a big result that one there. Northcote Park, you give them uh, I guess one, you know a one excuse so to speak. They had a lot of players out of the side didn't play well at all and they'd be disappointed just how, how badly that blew away 10 goals to one in the last quarter but given how good they were over the first four weeks you, you, you give them I guess one bad game albeit the challenge is going to be now do they have the depth to cover if they have a few injuries because their twos are really battling and North Heidelberg have had that effect in their last two matches so they played Heidelberg a fortnight ago who were um, sitting higher, uh, higher above them on the ladder and hadn't lost a game to that point in the season the Tigers were completely off that day. We called that game as well. And then and then last week, the same Northcote Park. It was second v third, and Northcote Park just didn't show up, and they had players injured, and, and North Heidelberg again had that effect. So I, uh, I, I, I feel sorry for the next uh, sort of big-name team or the, the next top-five team that North Heidelberg have to play because they might suffocate them again, Samuel. Yeah, well, absolutely. And, of course, there's no games this weekend, but, but going in after the break, there's some big games to, to look forward to thereafter. We'll stay at the, the top end of the table for now and, and work our way through. Heidelberg couldn't have been more dominant in that massive win over Montmorency. Likewise, Greensboro over the reigning Premier West Preston Lakeside. We know now what to expect from the top particularly the top four, I think, now. They've they've broken away. Bandura is that one in fifth that probably is, is better than the rest but has some work to do to close in on, on the top four for mine. You look at, I mean, Heidelberg, they've got some really good players coming into that side, but, but what a mix in that forward half when you think they've kicked 22 goals and Fletcher McIver and Sam Grimley lead the way with four apiece. You know, they've got so many multiple goal scorers. They're sharing the load up forward. And, and then you look at Greensboro as well, winning so convincingly against West Preston Lakeside without Tom Bell, without Ben Fennell in that lineup as well. Still no Dan McClendon. Um, you know, I think uh, if I have to go back, but I think Reed and, and McIver Clark not in that lineup as well. So they've got so much to, to still look forward to going forward. But in terms of what the actual results mean, I mean, for, for Montmorency, they're the side that was in sixth going into the round. They stay there as well. But 
there's a, a big pack or a big gap that's emerged between the top five and the rest. And and secondly, posing for West Preston Lakeside now, the reigning premier, the only side without a win in Meadows Greyhounds Division One after five rounds. I think these two games, Greensborough and 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 the Roosters and Heidelberg versus Montmorency, I think provided probably the, the two biggest storylines of, of the week and as bad as Jackson Stasovich's injury was for Northcote Park hope he gets better but but in terms of results Montmorency and West Preston losing were as big a story as you'll get and, and Heidelberg especially that's a surprising surprising or surprisingly big win 125 points against Montmorency there is a lot of work to be done at Montmorency um, it's not all you know it's not all instant fix with, with Gary Ramsey the super coach coming down and and looking to change the fortunes of, of Montmorency, which I'm sure he will do at some stage, but it's not going to be this year because there's a lot of work to do at the Magpies, and they got pantsed by the Tigers on the weekend. And, they, and you touched on it as well, the goal scorers. That's a great spread of goal scorers for the Tigers. Fletcher McIver, four. Sam Grimley, four. Anthony Bonadio, three. Joshua Minogue, three. Uh, Matt Ketchin, two. Jack Blair, two. And then you've got the, and a couple of other key midfielders like Mark Brunelli and, and Nathan Honey that chipped in for one. That's a great spread of scorers for Heidelberg. They really erased the poor result from the weekend before against the Dogs, and they've stamped themselves now as uh, as a genuine top four team in in Division One, and then and that sort of opens up the gap I think uh, between the top five and and the bottom five. It almost at this stage of the season, it's almost shutting the door on on that bottom five. Yeah, I think for, for mine the, the biggest result in terms of what could have been was was obviously what took place at Yulong Reserve. If Bundura won that and they go to four wins, it leaves McLeod, you know winless had of that happen and West Preston as well I think McLeod's the one from the bottom half that's the best chance to potentially emerge I think they started to show signs at the weekend Brad Leggett was in outstanding form Paddy Martin back in amongst the goals and you look at their better players I mean when they're at their best they've still got so much talent to come back into that squad obviously Lucas Hobbs being one of the, the key players there in particular to come back in but it, it keeps them well and truly alive. I think if Bundura wins that, the door's probably shut. I think McLeod's the big one to, that can emerge. I know that they're a game still behind Montmorency, let alone uh, the sides above them in the top five, but I think their best footy can challenge. They've got some opportunities coming forward in, in the next couple of weeks, Lower Plenty and Hurstbridge, but the bigger challenge is uh, what comes after that, where they take on basically all of the top five sides in, in five consecutive weeks and, and I think they're the one that can emerge. I think West Preston Lakeside, looking at, at their side at the weekend, they had a lot of you know key players come back into the lineup, but it, it didn't affect things yeah. and, and they're coming now from, not only are they coming from so far back, but they're just not playing good enough footy. They've been really beaten heavily now by one of the real contenders in Greensboro and you look at the lineup on the played on the weekend, Saad was there, McVeigh, um, Clark, LaRossi, I mean there's some key players there Usul Urkelano, um, Glover was back in the lineup as well, and, and it still didn't change things. I mean, yeah. they'd need a, a, a miracle to to really challenge. What they probably can do is 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 if they play good enough footy, shape the five. But from from how far back they're going to have to come now with a really poor percentage. But I think that that's what make that that result between McLeod and Bundura the biggest one of the round because yeah. I think McLeod's potential one that can can push up the table. And McLeod did that against Bundura with. Uh, having made six changes as well, and and those cha- the players that they took out of the game, or had to go out depending on the circumstances, were big names: Billy Barden, Shane Doherty, Luke Joyce, who was a key role player last year, Chris Long in the ruck, Adrian Tatino as well, and and Jaden Wilding. But a lot of the the, the hand, good handful of those players were the best twenty-two players last season, 
And then, that, as you said, that flows on to West Preston Lakeside, who haven't won a game yet. Reigning Premier's bottom of the table. West Preston Lakeside right now are in crisis mode. I think they have reached crisis mode right now. They're 0-5, and five, percentage of 59. They haven't even looked like getting a win this season. It's just It just hasn't been there at all for the Roosters. And you... I don't know, I don't understand how they couldn't be in crisis mode. They're the reigning premiers. They had a great team last season in a competitive and very tightly fought uh, top five. Um, but they had all the all the ingredients there. They didn't lose too much. They've got a couple of players who have been um, tied to VFL, but they should still have a, a good enough team. But they, they just haven't put it together. It is crisis mode right now for Rob Mayrana. And in terms of what's to come, Heidelberg after the break, so that's at Warringal Park. Um, that was probably the, their best performance of the year was in, in losing to Heidelberg in the opening game of the year. Winnable one's coming up thereafter, but it's a, it's a big challenge coming up directly after the break. And in terms of the other Round 5 game, that was of vital importance but probably for, for different reasons at the bottom end of, of the table so to speak and it was Hurstbridge who got its first win of the campaign uh, they were too good for Lowell Plenty in the end winning that one by 31 points that was that was huge for Hurstbridge because I think both sides knew what was at stake going into the game obviously Lowell Plenty they've suffered you know with their better players now not being on the park at all they've lost Tom Keys and and uh, also Big Paddy Flynn in the first two weeks. Darcy Barden now has stepped away for work commitment. So you take out those three. It was, uh, I guess, uh, for, for them recognising what was at stake, they've actually brought Dale Nolan back at the weekend, and he kicked three goals, having had no preparation since last being a part of the Premiership side last year. Both sides, as I said, knew what was at stake, and it was Hurstbridge's leaders that really stood up. Daniel Keenan had a, a massive game. Ryan Jackson also. And Cooper Perrin played one of his better games at yeah. senior level as well. He kicked four goals, took a couple of telling marks as well. And that's a big one for, for Hurst Bridge because had they lost that one, um, you know, two games behind Lowell Plenty and percentage, it's a fair bit to catch up. And now what, what it does is it, it gives them new hope. Obviously, it goes, goes into the bye. They'd hope to not lose momentum going into that one. It's remarkable to think the only side below them is, is the reigning <laughs> Premier as well, who we just think eventually it's going to have to, to click for as well. But for Hurstbridge, it was a, a major challenge. They've got a big month coming up, North Heidelberg and McLeod at home in the next couple of weeks as well. But they'll look to build off that performance. It really was a, a vital win away from home. Yeah, and it, it, I don't hate to relate it back to West Preston, but it does make West Preston's current plight look even worse. Uh, but for Hurst Bridge, no, fantastic. Cooper Perrin, as you said. We've only seen him in a handful of games. Uh, small sort of mid-sized forward, uh, but very crafty in the forward 50. And, and four goals for him um, was, uh, was a fantastic return. Um, they just had to be just a little bit better than Lowell Plenty all through the game, and they were. They kicked, I think it was uh, 10 goals to 7 in that last half, the second half. Absolutely. So they were always just a little bit ahead. Managed to maintain about a five-goal gap, 32 points at three-quarter time, 31 points the final margin. So they maintained that that difference pretty much throughout. Um, and and you said you brought up these two names before, and these were the names I had highlighted in my notes, Dan Keenan and Ryan Jackson. I mean, these guys... I'm not trying to be disparaging here, but these guys are the grandpas of Division One. Yet they're still putting together great performances, and they're they're, they're guiding their team to a win. And this is what Hurstbridge needed, uh, and what they wanted. I think last season when they brought in a lot of these big names, bringing them back, um, Braden Shaw was uh, was always a part of that. But 
um, had been a part of that system as well, no longer there, but but that's what they wanted when Hurstbridge went out and made those big-name signings last year in particular. This is the output they wanted, and they're getting that. Yeah, absolutely. Vital win for them, and it was a highlight-filled game, it has to be said. If you haven't had a chance, do jump on the uh, NFNL website or, or through Facebook as well. Some some great marks and goals kicked right throughout that game, so while it was a game between two of the bottom uh, sides in the competition uh, at this point of the year, it was yeah amazing the, uh, the, the quality that was, was produced by the two sides. Hurstbridge getting that vital win, as we say, it is representative weekend coming up in round six though as we look ahead some some big games and potential for for some sides who can you know maybe cause an upset to, to push up the table and, and maybe close that gap otherwise do those top sides continue on their merry way the games include Hurstbridge hosting North Heidelberg at Ben Freelay Oval McLeod's at home to Lowell Plenty at Dewinton Park Greensboro and Bundura the pick of the bunch at Greensboro War Memorial Park Montmorency returns home to take on Northcote Park, where both sides will be looking to atone for, for big losses in Round 5. And Heidelberg is at Warringal Park hosting West Preston Lakeside. So they're the games in Meadows Greyhounds Division 1 after the representative break. Speaking of breaks, we're going to go to one. On the other side of this, we'll have a look at A-plus Labor Solutions Division 2. The Meadows is a functions and events centre with a difference. Only 25 minutes from the city and 10 minutes from the airport with free parking, Wi-Fi and AV access. It's the ideal venue for your next conference, trade show, expo or seminar. You can even hold an event on a Greyhound race night for extra entertainment. And don't forget the Meadows' new loyalty program, the 525 Club. Download it free from your app store. For more info, visit themeadowsevents.com.au. Thanks for sticking with us. We now move into A-plus Labor Solutions Division 2, where in round five, results saw Watsonia, nine goals, 862, go down to Thomastown, 16-21-117. Diamond Creek, 8-6-54, was defeated by Altham, 10 goals, 12-72. The Fitzroy Stars, 7-13-55, lost to Banyul, 17-10-112. And St. Mary's was the only home side to score a win, 14-13-97, defeating Epping, 9 goals, 12-66. Jordan Canales, what do we make of the results from Round 5? I think these results from Division 2 were very telling because all matchups were pretty close. When you looked at the game, when you were previewing the game before the Saturday, you thought... You would have thought, gee, all these matchups are pretty close. Watsonia, probably a good chance against Thomastown. They had a, a really good start to the season. Watsonia, hopefully they can keep that momentum going. Diamond Creek and Eltham could have gone either way. Eltham dropped a, a result the week before against Fitzroy. Diamond Creek, not sure where they are quite yet. Banyol, Fitzroy stars the same. St. Mary's and Epping the same. One of them had to get a win. So it was close matchups going in. And what we learned from it, I think, was... Um, we, we, we learnt a lot in particular from this weekend, I feel. So Thomastown, that result against Watsonia and a good score as well. Well, could have been a bigger score, actually. Six, uh, 16-21, 1-17. They kicked five goals, 12 in that last term, the Bears. So it could have been even more. But that result tells us that Thomastown are genuine this year. They've had some good results in the last two to three weeks against um, against you know evenly matched opposition. They sit second now on the on the ladder. Um, Eltham and Diamond Creek this probably told us a bit more about Diamond Creek and for me this is probably the story of the week as well in Division 2 aside from St Mary's getting their first win as I mentioned earlier but Diamond Creek two crucial losses in a row now Thomastown last week Eltham this week Eltham haven't been that good or as good as they were last year so this was a good chance for Diamond Creek at their home ground to get a result yet they just they didn't they couldn't do it and one goal to three in that 
third quarter, those three goals, even though it's only three goals, it, that was just what split the game a little bit away from them and into the hands of Eltham in that third term. Eltham scored two behinds in that last quarter, so the door was open for Diamond Creek to come in and, and try and steal it away in that last term, but they couldn't make the most of their efforts, didn't have that many scoring shots. And for me, it sort of leaves Diamond Creek probably in the similar position to where they were last year, where they're not as good as the teams above them and they're just a little bit on the fringe and unable to push in. Yeah, they're probably they're still being hurt by having some key players on the sidelines, no doubt about it. And, and probably to rub salt into the wound, you look at the Altham side and their best players all stood up on the day. Anton Woods, Brent McCaffrey and Matthew Keyes, they were unanimously voted the best three by both the coaches in the coaches' votes. Michael still kicks four goals as well. So the, the big players for, for Altham all stood up, with, whereas Diamond Creek's probably best couple were, were watching from the sideline. So that didn't help the situation. Thomastown, as, as you mentioned there, I think they're proving themselves to be the real deal. Watsonia's having an issue with, with goal kicking, I think. I mean, 9-8 doesn't look too bad in the end, but miss some gettable ones when they're on top early. And you think if a, a three-goal lead becomes maybe five or six, could it have been a different story? But thereafter, Thomastown romping away there. So two and goals. And the key, key scorer is not getting on the scoreboard at all for Watsonia yeah, either. Yeah, just all, a single spread of, of goal kickers other than Julian Maloney, who kicked three goals and is having a decent season since joining from West Preston Lakeside. Daniel Watson's been one for them over the past couple of weeks. He's in really good form. But unfortunately for the Saints, they've slid right back down the table, started the year with two wins, and have now slipped all the way down to sixth with those two losses the past couple of weeks. We'll get to St Mary's and Epping in a moment's time, but obviously um, Altham, vital for them. You, you obviously touched on that. That was They're not at their best, but that win gets them back inside the top four where they haven't been since winning in round one. So that was a, a big result for them. But you look at Banyul, and, and we talked about the game against the Fitzroy Stars a couple of weeks ago, as, or last week rather, as being a real crunch game or, or one that could be a danger game given what the Stars did against Altham. Unfortunately for Fitzroy, they, went, they were a bit of in crisis mode on Thursday night. So many players injured at training meant that they lost a, a good part of their side. Both Lionel and Jordan Proctor didn't play. Reva Carpenter was out as well. Uh, Gordon Bamblett too. So they lost some, some key players and they just didn't have that continuity. Banyul, it has to be said, didn't have their best side in the park either. James Cristorada still out with that broken finger. Tim Martin, Ricky Dyson came out of the side that had won a week prior. So they weren't at their best, but what they are getting is a great contribution across the board. They'd be absolutely wrapped with the form of some of their recruits over the past couple of years. Jack Langford's been in outstanding touch. Brent Stanton, well, you know what a player like Brent Stanton's going to bring to the table. So there is absolutely no surprise there whatsoever with what he's produced over the first you know, four matches that... Banyuls played this year. Although well, I will say, slight surprise that he's bringing a lot of goals. He's got 10 goals this year. He's in the top four on the goal-kicking goal tally. Well, he's top four in the goal-kicking, and he's equal second in the coaches' MVP voting as well. So he's having a big say on, on their campaign. Ruben Blackmore Moore has had a good start to, to life at, at Banyuls as well, and even a player like Rodley Hogarth, who they brought in last year, having a good campaign as well. So for mine, they're, they're certainly, they've been the, the, be- the benchmark side. They are clear atop the ladder, albeit it's silly to say because they're on the same points as Thomastown, but look at the per- percentage differential, 252 oh. versus 131, and that's with Banyul having played one less game. But there's some challenges to come, it has to be said. Their fixtures in the next couple of weeks will give them a, an even better insight as to exactly where they sit in the uh, in the scheme of things. For mine, they're, they're definitely the, the benchmark side, but it's Diamond Creek, 
Thomastown and then Whittlesey away in the next three matches. So some challenges to come for Banyul, but they are proving themselves to be the side to beat. And on the flip side of, of all that that result there, the Fitzroy Stars, the one thing we said last week that this couldn't happen for them was to get smashed. Obviously, there's mm-hmm. there's reasons behind it. But in the end, that, that one blew out. It was a 57-point defeat. And all of a sudden now, despite how... You know, a year that could have been three and one now sits at one and three with a percentage of only 84, and they've got some real catch-up work that needs to be done if they are going to be a, a finals contender come the end of the year. Well, just to go back a beat on uh, on Banyul, they are they're exciting this season. They've, they're putting high scores on the board. Look, their games might not be that exciting to watch because they're they're really putting a number on on the teams I have so far this season. And you mentioned that percentage. Um, just to delve a bit deeper into that, points against 181. Uh, which is absurd. Four games in, and the next best is is Whittlesey, who have two eighty seven points against. So they've they've conceded one hundred less points against uh, across four games. Whittlesey have played four games as well, so those numbers are, are stack up evenly, um, which is just incredible. And I think this is the first time this year that Scott Gumbleton's really put a big output on the scoreboard. Kick three goals. On yeah, the weekend. one of them an absolute uh, contender for goal of the year. Boundary throw in and. Uh, didn't try to even grab it, just threw the boot out and it just it hit it perfectly straight through the middle. We've seen a bit of, a, of that volleyed goals over the past yeah. probably eight months going back to last year's final series. So, yeah, he hit the scoreboard and just the, the depth of talent in that lineup mm. as well. I mean, um, yeah, they're going going great guns. At the weekend, they did the damage at the start of the game, five goals to zip, yep. and then held a comfortable advantage and, all the way through. And it's so frustrating from the other side of the uh, the viewpoint from the Fitzroy Stars. As you said, just the five behinds in the first quarter, they thought they were about to get their season on track with a good win last week against Eltham. They won by 30 points. Their first two weeks were really frustrating. Had, I think, two or three goal losses in the first couple of weeks against teams that they would have hoped to beat. Um, to uh, to sort of get a gauge on their season. They played uh, Diamond Creek and Thomastown those first two weeks, so looking to try and throw themselves into that mid-pack at least uh, by getting wins there. They didn't, and then had a, had a scraped in a win against Eltham, but then lost big to Banyul, and that's just, it's frustrating. And I think, look, most neutral supporters or neutral followers would have said Banyul would be the favourites going in. They, they're probably the best team in Div- Division 2, this season, but the Fitzroy to be so uncompetitive in that first half on the scoreboard, that's that's the great frustration, Despite even despite having all those players out from training during the week. But um, yeah, they, they, they just, they probably feel like they're in a bit of a, a rut at the moment, Fitzroy stars, but I think it will get better from here. There's, there's, the draw will open up for them. And absolutely, and I think they're a side that no one wants to come up against, because even if they're, at the moment, I mean, they're, they're you know, two games outside of of the top four, albeit they have had a, an early season bye, but they've got their work to do. But you know when you come up against them that you've got your work cut out. And then St Mary's jumped off the bottom of the table. Uh, they eclipsed Epping in a, a game that we knew was going to get one side their first win of the year. Epping, uh, rather St Mary's rather, made the good start four of the first five goals. Epping really fought back hard in the second term, closed within six points mm. at three at halftime rather, but then by three-quarter time, St Mary's had, had regained that comfortable advantage. They were 33 points up, went on for a 31-point win. Liking some of the, the newer faces in, into the side this year, um, Reg- Reece Rigoni is a, a youngster who's playing some, some good footy um, coming into that side. Uh, but then also some of the ones in, in the years gone by that have led the way are doing that again. Jacob Yeomans had a breakout year last year. He's continuing that on this year. Chris Pretoro was important at the weekend, and so was Dan Castanini, who's been a team of the year player. And 
Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3 in recent years as well. So a great win for them. For Epping, um, it leaves them you know, pretty vulnerable, doesn't it? We know there's no relegation this year, but that was their best opportunity at a win. Um, we said last week going in, it was almost like a, a mini final for both. Epping not quite up to the task. Uh, Lee Judd, despite his side battling, is having an outstanding season. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was their best player once again. To, to illustrate the year that, that Lee Judd's having, he's polled... 21 votes already in the coaches MVP voting, which puts him in sixth place. Not bad for a player whose side has lost its opening four games and probably on average only scored half of the points as, as what they've conceded to, to opposition, a percentage that sits just below 50. It's pretty remarkable what he's being able to produce. But for Epping, you look at their, I guess their scoring power and or lack of it, which is really hurting, averaging just 61 points a game in the opening four weeks of the year so they've got some work to do but I guess the, the real story to come out of that was certainly going to be St Mary's and, and getting their historic first win in A plus Labor Solutions Division 2 and they might smell a couple of more wins coming their way as well with um, their next few games they've got the bye next weekend so that might just or sorry they've got two buys actually because of the, the rep weekend this weekend and then the following weekend they have the bye in, in, the, uh, in Division 2 so it's not going to be another three weeks until they play a game but after that if everything is going as it is right now, they might smell a few more wins with Diamond Creek coming up and then the Fitzroy Stars. And, and both of those teams are probably the shakiest at the moment in Divi 2. So they might be, if they have a good day, um, could get a few more wins there, um, St. Mary's. Uh, so a great win for them on the weekend. Can't really say much more than that. Miles Gordon, three goals. is a key up there in the forward line. Seven goal to three second half for St. Mary's. That's what split the game. Epping were in it, as you said, to half time. Six points, uh, the difference at the break. Um, uh, and and Lee Judd really rarely puts in a bad season. Really, he's always been Epping's one of best one of their best players, even going back into uh, Division Three. And I think he was there the last time they were in Division Two as well. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. So he's uh, he's been one probably for the past five years. Just a consistent yeah. performance, taken on the captaincy this year as well, and certainly leading by example. Decide despite his side's uh, struggles. Uh, to try and get that first win. If you look at the ladder right now, Jordan, you've got Banyol on top, followed by Thomastown. It's always hard when you've got buyers in, involved as well, but uh, they're the top two, followed by Whittlesey and Altham. So the top two are on 16 points. The next two are on 12 points. And then it's, it's all kind of bunched up. You've got two sides in Diamond Creek and Watsonia who are on eight points, followed by two on four points in Fitzroy Stars and St. Mary's, <laughs> Epping bottom with uh, without a win. But you look at that current top four, and you look at the sides below, the, the sides that are currently in the top four, um, we, we know that there's going to be some challenges to come as well, but they, they are the deserving top four at this point of the season. They, they've probably been, um, when they've played their, the best footy, they're the most, I guess, uh, consistent sides in the grade and, and are deserving of their spots at the top, or, top end of the ladder. Yeah, absolutely. I think these were probably the, probably the top four teams that in our pre-season episode we, we said would make the top four. I think um, maybe one or two of us in the uh, in the in the media team would have had maybe Diamond Creek in there or Fitzroy Stars pushing in, but I think on average, um, Banyul, Thomastown, Whittlesey, Eltham would have had the most nominations for for a top four finish this season. Well, you look at to interrupt there, but you look at I mean Eltham's been the one that's is have had some fluctuations in performances, but if you look at you know Whittlesey going throughout, they've you know had the, the important win against Diamond Creek throughout the, the early part of the year, 
um, did what they had to against the bottom sides. But even against Eltham, I know that that's their only loss, but they were probably the better side for three quarters that day. Don't get the result, but they've been consistent through, through their performances. You look at a side like Diamond Creek, if they were to push into the top four this year, they had to beat the sides around them, we said from the start, but they've already had a loss to Eltham, also to Whittlesey and to Thomastown. Now, there's a reason why they're, they're in fifth, because they've lost to the three sides that they're mm. fighting for the same positions in the ladder, and, and the Fitzroy Stars to the same extent as well. We talked about close losses there. So what those sides are going to have to do now, they have to make sure they don't drop you know, games against, say, you know, St Mary's and Epping, but then all those you know, future eight-point games, in inverted commas, they just have to win you know, all of them almost going forward because that gap just can, will keep emerging you know, and getting greater if they can't reverse those games, uh, those results in those games against sides that are currently in the top four. I always feel like Division 2 has... is always sort of the, the, the way the season pans out in Division 2, it always feels like there's a lot riding on each game, even probably more so than Division 3 and Division 1. Division 1, obviously, you know, teams are going hard. It's top division. You want to perform well, but... I don't know. I always feel like Division Two just has so many high stakes games. There's always there's always a large pool of teams who can make finals. I think what it is that there's not a big gap between the absolute best and the rest. I mean, Banyol is probably the one side that's emerging out of that. But I mean, you know, Thomastown is currently second. Fitzroy Stars is seventh. There's three games gap between them. But if they play tomorrow, and as we saw on Anzac Day, there's not much separating them. But it just means for that two hours each Saturday or. Yeah, we've even had some Thursday games this year as well, but you have to be at your absolute best, and, and any lapse really proves costly come the end of the season. So there's a break in the A-plus Labor Solutions Division 2 this weekend. Following that, back on May 25, we return where Banyul hosts Simon Creek in an important game at Beverly Road Oval. Altham is at home to Watsonia. Epping travels to Main Street Recreation Reserve to take on Thomastown and the Fitzroy Stars meet Whittlesey in a massive game at Sir Douglas Nichols Oval. As you said, Jordan, there is a buy for St Mary. So that's what's to come in round six. Obviously no action this weekend. So some big games for all those eight clubs to prepare for. Uh, we'll take a short break now. We'll have a look at Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3 after the break. The Meadows Conference and Events Centre offers a range of conference opportunities for your next event. Whether it be an end-of-year work party, the next conference, or even a funeral or wake, the Meadows can host any event. To find out more info, head to themeadowsevents.com.au. And into Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3, where Lorimer has retaken the top spot on the ladder, given the fact that they recorded a fifth consecutive win, and that was coupled by Heidelberg West having the bike. South Morang really a, a big winner at the weekend. They kept in touch with the top four with a, a vital win away to the Mernda Footy Club. And then there were big wins for also Kilmore and Pantnil. So the final scores throughout the weekend. Round five action. Old Altham Collegians, 5-7-37, went down to Lorimer, 14-9-93. Kilmore, far too good for Reservoir, 22-17-149. To Reservoir, seven goals, 9-51. Laylor 3-8-26, absolutely no match for a dominant Panton Hill, 23-14-152. And Mernda, this was probably the most important game of the weekend. Both sides were looking to stay in touch with the top four, and South Morang led right throughout to win away at Mernda. Uh, final score there was Mernda 7-10-52 to South Morang 11-8-74. Hard not to go past that one as the most uh, vital result of the round, Jordan. Yeah, it, it really shapes the table, doesn't it? That Mernda... South Morang result, South Morang winning uh, away by 22 points, and that, that opens up the gap, and it's it's quite uh, visible when you look at the ladder as well. South Morang in fifth, 
on uh, on 10 points, having had the draw last week against the Turtles. And then Mernda in 6th on 4 points. So that 6-point gap between 5th and 6th. Look, at 6 points, it can be bridged in, in a fortnight, but I don't think it will. Um, and that, that bottom 4 really now is, is sort of has broken off the top uh, top 5. Um, and that was uh, probably a result that Mernda needed, not only for the sake of the bottom four and the sake of the, the, the aesthetic of the ladder, but um, for Mernda themselves to, to stay in uh, in sort of at least the hunt uh, around the, the outer fringes of, of the top four. But, I mean, they were comprehensively beaten. 28 points at three at uh, quarter... T- uh, pardon me, at half-time. 35 points at three-quarter time. 22 at full-time. It's a bit disappointing for Mernda because they had two good performances prior to that obviously ran Lorimer right to the line and then had that big win uh, over Reservoir but then yeah it was a crunch game a mini final and it was South Rang I know after the game uh, the coach Gary Hall was, was quoted as saying that's the real South Rang because they their mm. forms fluctuated throughout the opening rounds of the year but they're back on track with that one there that was a vital performance Harry Wybrow putting in a dominant good, good game. aerial game and uh, he was named best took a few towering marks forward as well and finished with three goals so that was the big one so looking at the the tables that currently stands you've got Lorimer at the top with five consecutive wins 20 points Heidelberg West had the bye but they're four straight wins six 16 points. You go into Panton Hill and Kilmore, who are each on 12 points, three wins and one loss, and then it's South Morang on, on the 10 points as well. So it's there's funny. five there right now, and the bottom four, I mean, if they're going to have any impact, they've, they've really got to turn it on quickly. Yeah, it was the closest result of the weekend in, in Division 3, but it was the one that had probably the biggest ramifications. Absolutely. Um, probably elsewhere, what was expected probably eventuated. Kilmore's a side that's really starting to build nicely. They've just snuck under the guard a bit, but you look at uh, their, I guess, scoring prowess, um, they were able to put through 22 goals against Reservoir. We know that the Mustangs, it's uh, not so much a battle, but they're, they're just aiming to be as competitive as possible. But Michael McCulloch kicked six at the weekend. Nick Zaharak is seven. If you look at the, the better players... For, five. Uh, sorry, five, I should yeah. say. Cor- thanks for the correction. But you look at, at Kilmore as well, and some of their... their Younger players are, are just playing well beyond their years almost. I mean, Jeremy Topham was playing under 17 footy two years ago. Last year was in the, the team of the year in his, I guess, you know, first real full season of, of senior football. He's been in outstanding touch once again this year. He's already on 22 votes in the coaches' MVP. They're developing really nicely. Chris, uh, sorry, Luke Chapman rather was in the best players of the weekend, returning to the club. Um, you know, you, you you look through that list now, and and they're a side that has uh, has finals written all over them. It's a really exciting tale to see sides like them and and Heidelberg West, um, you know, pushing for for places in the finals uh, going forward this year. But I like the way that they're building, and a lot of it has been from building from the junior club and, and building up as well. But a, a commanding victory for Kilmore, and it's a side that's now knows how to win win games. Games of footy. Yeah, absolutely. They're piecing together a great team. They're piecing together a good season. And it also demonstrates that, you know, new teams or teams that have uh, that have just entered or, or switched across, whatever the circumstance may be, into the NFNL, into Division 3, can really do it uh, on a quick turnaround. And Lorimer's proving that as well, even more so. They're a, a start-up uh, senior team. Uh, and they are now rocketing away at the top of the table, and, and Kilmore's there as well. Probably gives a bit of hope to uh, to Old Eltham that it won't be too long before they do it as well. But as in terms of Kilmore, they've they've been able to they've they've done it exceptionally well. Well, they've got some big challenges coming up. None bigger than probably this weekend when they travel to Lorimer to to take on the undefeated Power. 
Following that, they they travel to Laylor, and then it's home to Panton Hill. So the next three weeks, in particular, the games against Lorimer and also Panton Hill will determine exactly where Kilmore sits in, in the, the piece of it all. They obviously drop one that they probably feel they shouldn't have in round one against South Morang, but um, if they can pinch one against Lorimer or, or Panton Hill in the next couple of weeks, they are looking looking at least on, on pace to, to potentially play finals uh, this year. Heidelberg West obviously has the bye. They'll hope that that doesn't uh, break up uh, any of the momentum they built. We might look ahead to this weekend's games, actually, as we as we do that. Panton Hill at home to Mernda. Uh, we've got Heidelberg West hosting Old Altham Collegians. Lorimer, as we said, is home to Kilmore. And then it's South Morang hosting Laylor at Mill Park Lakes Reserve. You mentioned Old Altham there. I mean, they had basically an entire backline that uh, that went out from the week prior when they had the draw against South Morang and, and then in, in losing to, to Lorimer on the weekend. So it was always going to be pretty tough for them. But they've got some of their experienced players who are leading the way. Uh, Matt Quinton was, again, their best player at the week, and that's two weeks in a row he's been really dominant um, for Old Altham Collegians and, and leading the way. Nick Snowden also played a good game, as did Luke Booth. But you feel for them, obviously, this weekend, they've got a, a, a game away to Heidelberg West where... They're probably they're going to go in as, as the underdog, no doubt. But if you look at the, their performances, they haven't. They're just starting to, to build. Obviously, the the draw was the one that hurts because it probably yeah. is a game they feel that they should have won. But uh, against Lorem at the weekend, given the players they had out of the side, they were able to to hang in there as best as possible after getting blown out in, in the first quarter when it was six goals to one point and it really could have got ugly. But thereafter, they managed to to stem the flow, and you feel for them. A win is getting closer and closer. Is this the week where they come up against a side coming off the bye that they could potentially score an upset or the Heidelberg West continue on their merry way? I think Heidelberg West will continue on. Um, Old Eltham, just an observation, they did win that second quarter, actually. They kicked three goals to two, so that was... It just shows some character, doesn't it, after getting smashed in the first term. Yeah, against Lorimer. But I feel like this this little patch of games here... Uh, for Old Eltham has just come at the wrong time for them because, as you said, they were getting some good results. Had the draw against South Morang last week. The week before, I can't remember who they played. Might have been South Morang. Uh, might have been... Um with Mernda? When they had the, they, the, they the, close, the close loss for Old yeah. Altham. So, obviously, last weekend, they took on South Morang and lost that one. Prior to... The, oh, sorry, drew that one, I should say. It was Kilmore when they Kilmore, were yeah. uh, in the game for a uh, fair bit. And actually, were, in front during the third quarter, yeah. and they couldn't go on with it. They were putting good form together with that with that game against Kilmore, then South Morang. And now, it's just kind of... It's just the wrong wrong teams they're playing at, at the wrong time of the season when they could have been getting some momentum and then they had to face Lorimer on the weekend. Heidelberg West coming up as well. So... Um, challenging part, uh, portion of the season for Old Eltham. You're going to face many challenges in footy, so you have to come up and, and deal with them as they come. But look, there's a bit there for Old Eltham, and, and they will get results. I'm confident they'll get uh, a couple of wins this season. I think they've they've shown enough, and they've shown a bit that they will have a day or have a couple of days throughout the year where everything will just come together perfectly and they'll get those wins. So obviously the, the, the games to, to look forward to, to this weekend, they are being played all this Saturday. Uh, so there isn't a buy in Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3. That continues this weekend where all those four games, as we mentioned, are being played. Uh, it'll be a standalone weekend in Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3, which Beyond. ensures uh, that going forward that the final series starts that one week earlier. And beyond this weekend as well for, for Old Eltham, they've got... 
Mernda, Layla, and Reservoir in the three of the next four games after Heidelberg West this weekend. So they're, they're all games that they've probably dotted down as real chances to get wins. Yeah, well, you, you look at, I guess, at this coming weekend as well. I mean, the four home sides are going to start as favourite. I think the, the biggest game there for mine is, is Lorimer up against Kilmore. It... What it does, it actually... I mean, if you look at Lorimer, it's a very young club. They've obviously performed really well so early in their, I guess, senior senior life. But, um, you know, these are games now where all of a sudden issue, there's more expectation on them. Um, they're at home. You know, how do they handle that pressure? So far, so good. They almost had to slip up against Munda. Whereas Kilmore this weekend, they're almost in the same boat as well. These are the games now that they have to win as well. So I think both sides are really looking at this one here, and it could be a real statement game. So that's the pick of the, the bunch this weekend. Yep. I th- look elsewhere. I mean, Layla's probably be, they'd be disappointed with uh, probably the, the past couple of, of losses in terms of how heavy they've been after having that really good win on Anzac Day. Old Eltham will performances have been okay, but Heidelberg West at 4-0. and zero, Maybe it's a similar storyline there as to what we mentioned about about Lorimer. Heidelberg West, now, the more expectation on them, they have to make sure that they, they live up to that every week. But their best players are playing some, some really good footy this year. And Jared Coulson's, again, having a great year. Obviously, Cole Hewitt's back in goal-kicking touch. And Masaki Mickey's having a, a real big impact after last year, uh, sitting at most of the year. Dan Offer's probably been the one that's really elevated his game as well. So I think they've probably got the, uh, the better players across the ground. That if they're at their absolute best, that they should win that game. But it's just one that they don't want to, to have a lapse in. And, and then South Morang, well, they had a massive win at home against Lorimer last year. And they obviously under, understand the importance of, of notching every wing possible from here. Obviously had some, some heavy losses earlier in the season. They've got a percentage that they've got to uh, work back. Uh, obviously with one particular heavy loss to, to Panton Hill. And they had the, the costly one against Heidelberg West when they gave up the lead to uh, to lose that one, um, you know, fluctuating form line, but this is a really important one for them, and potentially with a win, they'll go back inside the top four. So there, uh, Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3 action continues this weekend, and we do encourage everyone, if you can't get out to the rep games, to get out and have a look at those uh, standalone games in Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3. We'll take a short break. On the other side of this, we'll be having a chat to a few of the different rep coaches ahead of this weekend's AFL Victoria Community Championships, where the NFNL travels out to Queens Park, Heighton, to take on the best of the Geelong Football Netball League and also AFL Barwon. We're now joined on the NFNL podcast by the coach of the NFNL Open representative netball team, Julie Hibbard. Julie, after, a bit, I guess, a, a bit of a wait, we're finally here. We're only a couple of days out from our big representative game up against the Geelong Football Netball League. How's it all going ahead of that, uh, that big game out at Queens Park? Yeah. Um, hi, Samuel. Thanks for having me. Um, look, you know, it's uh, it's it seems to be have been going on forever, to be honest with you. But yeah, we are finally here, which is really nice. Um, I think uh, the last couple of weeks has been a little bit tricky for us because we've had a couple of uh, players withdraw with injury or family issues. So uh, so it's been probably a little bit trying, but at the same time, you know. Um, you know, the team that we had last year is probably not going to be um, the same sort of team this year. I would suggest that we're probably heading into a new era of player, um, a new era of representation at the Northern Football Netball League. So, um, you know, coming into this Saturday, um, I'm expecting to see some uh, really good representation across the league, of, of our league. Um, our players are probably a little bit younger than the we are used to seeing, um, but, you know, they're really energised, they're really passionate and very excited about the experience ahead. Um, as far as Geelong's concerned, well, I think everybody knows Geelong 
is always very very uh, strong league. Um, they've always um, they've always set a high bar for for people when we're going to go and challenge them, and uh, and it's not going to be any different this weekend. I think that um, that you know it's going to be a really good experience. I'm hoping that uh, that we'll be able to really um, bring this young team up and really have a go. And I think uh, the girls actually really do want to have a go. They really do want to have a crack at this. And, uh, and, and yeah, fingers crossed that it'll all come together for us. Well, obviously, what it does is it, it provides new opportunity. There's so many players in, in that open side that are representing the league for the very first time. It's obviously a, a great opportunity for them to, to play on the big stage. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and, and that's what we're trying to get out to the league is that, you know, if everybody... Anybody's welcome to come and trial. You know, don't don't for one thing think you're not capable of it. You know, come and have a go. And if you don't get, you're not successful this year. Certainly, come back next year because there's certainly lots and lots of opportunities. And and it is going to be a great stage. Why wouldn't anyone want to have a go at it? So, yeah, so it's really exciting, Simon. What would you say would be, I guess, the the strength of our side as as we look forward to Saturday's game? Oh, look, look, we've got uh, some pretty good strengths right across the court. Um, it's just going to be really uh, how they combine. Um, if they if they can combine well together, I think uh, that we'll be in for a really good chance. But it's it's you know it's just going to be just see how they go. We're going to have a bit of a training session this Thursday ahead of presentation, and um, and just uh, nut, out, nut out a few things and give them a little bit of a run together. In terms of I guess the the challenge of playing on the outside courts, obviously our competition is is played indoors on, on the Friday night. I know that obviously many of the players play in, in various competitions, but it does provide a, a I guess a challenge playing on the outside courts. Fortunately, it looks like we've got some pretty good weather for Saturday. Yeah, I know. I saw that. That would be really good, won't it? Um, yeah. Look, you know, I think uh, you, you, players just have to adjust. It is definitely uh, a little bit harder outside. You know, to have the luxury of playing indoor netball was always really good because you actually really push yourself that little bit harder, I think. Um, but when you've got players like that we've got, I don't think uh, the surface is going to make any difference to them. They're going to push themselves hard. They've got this opportunity to play in the interleague and uh, and I think they'll have a real crack, to be honest. It's been obviously, a, a, I guess, a regeneration of the playing squad, but also in terms of coaching, there's a new under-19s coach in, in Jackie Harrington. Uh, yourself, you're working with... Beck Colwell, who's been a part of the playing program for, for quite some time, but now joins as, as an assistant coach of the Open team. What's it been like, uh, not only, I guess, uh, overseeing a new playing group, but also working with some new coaches alongside yourself as well? Yeah, absolutely. And we've also got Jacinta in there as well. So uh, Jacinta's been around for a while. It's it's really exciting. Um, I'm very excited to be working with both Jackie, Jacinta and Beck. Um, as you said, Beck's been in the league and represented the league for uh, for quite a few years. And um, uh, so she's a massive asset to, to the coaching panel. Um, Jackie's also playing, so she brings in her own little spin on it. And uh, she's a lovely coach. So, um, look, you know, we're trying to treat it uh, a bit like a squad rather than individual teams. So we're trying to do all of this and achieve this together. And I think, um, you know, that's basically the, the strong message that we're sending out to our league is that, you know, try and get, jump on board because it is about trying to make sure that you get the opportunity because we're all there to support you and push you to your max. I mean, on the under-19 uh, team as well, obviously it's a strong lineup we've been able to assemble. There's there's players there which potentially down the track could very well be, be part of the open side in, in years to come as well. Oh, absolutely, yeah. There's some, some very, very good talent down there and... Um, you know they're really keen, they're passionate, and uh, they're super fit. So, uh, so it'll be really good to see. I'm really looking forward to seeing them play. Actually, yes. 
I think we're all in the same boat. So uh, hopefully it's a, it's another great success. Uh, obviously, Rep Netball in the Northern Football Netball League has been so successful. We're so proud of the record. And obviously, new challenges that uh, await uh, this weekend. And we wish you all the very best in uh, in the pursuits with both the under-19 and, and open side as well. Just a recap for everyone tuning in. Um, those games to be played this Saturday at Queen's Park Heighton. The under-19s commencing at 11 o'clock. The open game to be played from 12.30. Really appreciate Appreciate your time in joining us on the NFNL podcast, Julie. No worries. Thanks for having me, Samuel. We're now joined on the NFNL podcast by the coach of the NFNL Senior Women's Football Representative Team, Caroline Kilmartin. Caroline, obviously it's been a, a bit of a journey to, to get to where we are now. How have you found, I guess, the uh, the program as it's been heading into the clash against AFL Barwon in just a few days' time? Yeah, hi. Um, the program's been great, actually. The support that's behind the program from um, all of the um, NFNL has been fantastic. We, um, it's been quite a hectic program if you look at the numbers that we've we've had to try and get down to what we are taking in on Saturday. But um, the talent that's there has been is is absolutely amazing compared to what we've had in previous years. So um, really excited. In terms of, of the squad itself, how hard is it to, to get to, I guess, the 25 that you've selected? We, we set, uh, I guess, we, a pretty wide net in terms of getting players in. How hard has it actually been to, to whittle that down and get to the, the final 25 heading to Saturday's game? Um, it's it, As you can imagine, the, the, the closer we've gotten to the 25, the harder it's been. So the last two cuts have probably been the hardest. Um, but what's fantastic to know is that the the range of players that we've gotten are from, you know, they're not from two or three different clubs. They're from, you know, seven or eight different clubs, which is amazing. And not just Div 1 clubs. They're, um, you know, they're Div 2 and, and even um, a Div 3, uh, possibly a Div 3 um, team as well. So it's been... Um, it hasn't been overly hard, but it's been um, it's been challenging to to try and to try and know what we need to go in with, um, given that we don't really know what we're up against in um, AFL Barwon. You were obviously part of the the coaching program last year when we had our inaugural side yep. that, that took on the AFL South East. Um, if yep. you were to compare the squads, even if you're loath to do it, how would you how would you stack this side up against what went out in 2018? Both teams were talented in their own right. Um, given it was the inaugural team last year, I think that um, there were a lot of kinks that we've um, ironed out for this year. Um, last year was a little bit um, was a, was a, was probably a lot more hectic in that we didn't really know what we were up against um, in southeast. But this year we're kind of a little bit more um, strategic in what we're in what we're trying to achieve. But um, if you compare the two this year's teams, you know, the, there's far more um, talent and, um, you know, skill base that are coming through. And, and that's to be expected given the given the um, the range of players that are coming through the system these days. Um, the, the, and they're a lot younger. The talent that's coming through, the, the young talent that's coming through is really um, – is really exciting for the sport in general um, moving forward in um, in the next couple of years. I can't wait to see what, what it produces. Yeah, with the, I guess, uh, the preparation now, we're having a chat this Wednesday morning, but uh, what's the, I guess, process from here leading into Saturday's game and how do you tackle that as a coaching group but also uh, in terms of the playing squad as well? Yeah, so we've got our, um, we started we started with strategy last week, given that it was only, um, you know, a five or six week program 
leading into the game on Saturday, we've um, you know spent the first couple of weeks really looking at who we want to take in. So uh, probably the end end of last week, as a coaching group, we started looking at what kind of strategy we wanted to take into Saturday, and we started implementing that at training last night. Um, we, we've got our 25 now, so um, we're, we're set going into Saturday, so we know what we're working with now. Um, it's just a matter of getting the players in the right position, but also getting the players' headspace in the right um, in, in the right place as well. Um, you know, we'll talk a little bit on on Thursday about what 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 this game means to them. Some for some it'll be to get more exposure into um, you know VFL AFL system um, to be seen by you know different people. Um, for others, it'll just be to have some fun, and I'm happy with either way. Um, you know, I'm 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 in this to to promote whatever the girls want to get out of the game. So um, uh, Thursday night we'll have a short little sharp session and some dinner, and um, the girls can get to know who's actually in the squad because up until now they probably haven't really they don't really know um, who's in the squad. You know, concrete. So um, from Thursday they'll know, and then Saturday yeah. Game time, quite early down in Geelong, but we're ready for the challenge. In terms of, I guess, you as, as a coach, how have you found the experience to this point in time? I've actually really liked it. Um, I was a bit apprehensive going in because I didn't, um, you know, like you said before, there was we had 75 girls um, trialling, so it's quite daunting to know that you've got 75, but at the same time it's actually quite exciting to know that you've got 75 because, um, you know, you've got such a such a range of talent there that that you know effectively falls on you and the coaches to to um to get down to 25 so I was quite excited but um also to work with the other coaches the coaches that are on board are all um you know they're all quite talented in their own right and you know some up up and coming female coaches and you know um Stephen Richards from Lowell Plenty who's you know who's been coaching for a very long time both men and women between us all, we've got, you know, something that we can bring to the table. So um, we're all just very excited to see what they bring on Saturday, I think. Um, win, lose or draw, and let's hope that it's not a loss or a draw. <laughs> but um, if we, um, you know, if, if we just see these girls put 100% into what they, they've got on Saturday, then I think that we're, you know, we've achieved what we need to achieve. Um, irrelevant of what the result is. Obviously, the experience itself, it's its a fantastic opportunity. I mean, looking back only, I think, three years ago, we didn't even have a, a women's comp in the Northern Football Netball League. No. Now to have three divisions and, and to have a, a second uh, opportunity yeah. at representative level, what does that mean to, to someone who's been involved in the game for, for such a long time? Yeah, it's... um. Like I said before, the, the like not just the progression of um, you know some of these younger players. Like these younger players don't know. I, I guess they're a little bit spoilt for choice in in some respects compared to what you know um, some of the older players have had to go through in the years to get to this. Um, yeah, I mean I've played for countless. I don't even want to admit how many years <laughs> I've played for. But back when I was um, when I first started playing, there was only two divisions in the whole of. Um, Victoria under the Victorian Women's Football League, and now, you know, for for the NFL alone to have three divisions is just mind-boggling compared to where we've come from. So, you know, it's the fastest growing. I think it's the fastest growing female sport in Australia, um, and um, for the NFL to have this opportunity to give to the you know the up-and-coming generations of footballers is is something that you know that we'll speak about probably on Thursday night and Saturday. 
um, just about how lucky these girls are to really have this opportunity and how they should really just take it by the by the scruff of the neck and just give it all that they've got. Well, uh, Caroline, we wish you all the very best for those tuning in. That game to be played Saturday, May 18. 9.50 is the first bounce. It's the NFNL taking on AFL Barwon out at Queen's Park in Height. And we do encourage everyone to, to get out there and support our women as they strive for our first ever win at representative level. Caroline, really appreciate your time and, and wish you all the very no best in your pursuits this Saturday. Thanks, Samuel. See you. See you down there. And finally, we are now joined on the NFNL podcast by the coach of the senior men's football representative team, Gary Ramsey. Gary, just now a few days out from fighting for the number one spot on the AFL Victoria Community Championships ranking. Obviously, a massive game coming up against Geelong, and we've got our squad finalised. How are you, you feeling with the 23 we're taking in? Yeah, no, look, fantastic, Samuel. We, um, we've uh, added some things that uh, we needed. Everyone who had played the last two years was invited and had the opportunity to play. Um, we had a few injuries with that group, um, so then we were able to add, and we add what we needed, and in the end, we're, uh, we're real comfortable with the squad we got. We think we've uh, come up with something that is, put it this way, as strong as we can put on the field anyway from all the available people. In terms of, obviously, I mean, it's always a hard uh, hard thing to do to, to get that final team. Obviously, you, you're so uh, hopeful that we're not getting injuries along the way through and whatnot. But in, in this case, we had a couple that had to pull out. But the ones that we've been able to bring in are, are certainly more than uh, more than deserving of this spot at this level. Yeah, look, I think you know, Sam Lover, I think he's a, either one or two-time best and fairest winner at West Preston. Um, and then there's that brought in Dale Marshall, who's a... Who's uh, been done the uh, all the work at Essendon? Close to getting a game there. Um, bringing in Jack Langford, who can play in multiple positions, also played BFL football. Um, Chad Sargent, who's in fantastic form to start a year for Heidelberg. So yeah, no, we're we're really really comfortable from uh, what we've able to bring, bring in Jack Furlong, another one who's a who's um, you know I mean is fit and ready to go. With the, the training squad as such, um, or, or the training program, we obviously had a, a really good run on, on Tuesday night. Preparations really a- amping up for, for Saturday and uh, and the side just looking now, looking to gel as best as possible. Yeah, look, that's right. There's a lot of us play together for a bit. It's interesting that I reckon if you do the age, I reckon a lot of them are around a similar age group. I reckon there's a, a massive group there around the 22 to 24-year-old age group and they all get on really well. So... Yeah, yeah, no, we're real comfortable that it'll be a very cohesive unit once we get going. Obviously, it's a, it's a massive opportunity that presents. We've, we've spoken about it regularly, but it's been a, a couple of years in the making. You've been involved with the program since 2017, obviously had two comprehensive wins, and now the opportunity to play off in, in the biggest game possible when we're talking the community championships going for number one spot. Yeah, well, it doesn't get any bigger than that, does it? And, uh, and I think that's a... Geelong have actually got a, their other, I think like two of their other leagues playing before us, um, which I think is a great rivalry between them two leagues that are both local leagues. So I anticipate there'll be a huge crowd there. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of pride on the line. And um, I don't think the Northern Footy League's ever been ranked at one before. Um, so this is a great opportunity for a first for, for these players and for the league. In terms of the squad that you've assembled, what do you see as, as the real strength of, of that 23-man squad? Look, I think it's really even. And I think um, we'll bring some, uh, probably some hardness at the ball. Um, 
And, yeah, I just think it's a real even squad that I, I think that um, we're not relying on anyone being best on or, or kicking seven goals. I think it'll be an even spread. Is there, I mean, it's, it's hard to really analyse the opposition when we haven't seen them in action before, but is there anything in particular you're expecting to come from Geelong? Oh, look, yeah, I'll mainly focus on what we've got because I think if, if we uh, we'll just bring what we can to the table, play to our ability and sort of the rest can look after itself. In terms of the importance of representative football, you've obviously been involved in it uh, as a coach for now a third season and, and obviously um, going back, obviously you've had a long involvement within the league as well as a player and, and as a coach, but what do you see as, the, I guess, the importance of representative football at local level? I see it as a real opportunity. There's some real loyal players out there that play in clubs that either don't play finals or may not win a flag for a long time or haven't they played a lot of games at a high level that haven't been able to play for no fault of their own finals or premierships with their local club. I see this as a great opportunity to really uh, play a high level, you know what I mean? Um, and, you know, there's, there's, there's that sort of bit of individual part too. This could be the... This might actually even be the biggest crowd that a lot of these fellas have ever played in front of and maybe the, the best level they've ever played. So I see representative football as an opportunity for people to... Uh, show their individual strengths as well. And I guess that probably extends to, to yourself and, and all the coaching staff as well, a, a massive opportunity for, for you to show your wares at the high level as well. Yeah, look, probably not so much about coaching. I think I'll let the players play. I don't intend uh, winning the game from the coaching bench. I think the players will uh, let the players play some free flow and footy and try and uh, appreciate their talent and, and try and bring the best out in their talent. Give them the opportunity with the game plan that um, allows them to yeah, bring the best out in themselves. And uh, and Gary, uh, one one final one. Um, if we are able to, you know, let's fingers crossed and, and get the uh, get the win on Saturday and go to number one. What would that mean to to yourself to have such a, a big involvement in in getting the league to that number one mantle in, in AFL Victoria? Yeah, well, I, I suppose it stays with me for forever after that, doesn't it? And it's probably there's a special memory that I'll be able to share with uh, players from other clubs. Uh, that I never would in the uh, that I never would be able to. Um, so yeah, look, it, it would be very special and being involved in the league for such a long time. Yeah, it'd be lot nice to say looking back that say yeah, at some stage we were number one and we have held the number one spot at some stage. So you know, for such a great league, I think that'd be a really good achievement. Well, uh, Gary, we, we wish you and the side the very best luck. Looking uh, Very much looking forward to seeing you in action against the best of the Geelong Football Netball League. Uh, that game to be played this Saturday, May 18, at Queen's Park in Highton. Gary Ramsey, thank you for your time and all the very best on Saturday. Pleasure, Samuel. Looking forward to it.